Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Yes, you are listening to Saturday Magazine with uh, Paul and myself, Tass. And uh, Dave, thank you so much for the news. You're most welcome. Always great to see you and always great to hear you. Oh, you too, Tass. <laughs> now, we are oh, going to continue our, our debrief. Bit of a love in here. <laughs> we are going to continue on with our debrief of the uh, Victorian state election last weekend. Uh, we have um, asked Bronwyn Pike, former Member of Parliament, uh, for the seat of Melbourne, in fact, a former Labor minister, um, currently the CEO of Uniting, Tas- uh, Uniting Victoria and Tasmania. And I'm going to also describe Bronwyn as a former Joyster, or maybe a current Joyster, actually. Joy- Bronwyn has been on Joy on and off forever, from what I can see. Good morning to you, Bronwyn. Ah, good morning, Cass, and hello to you, Paul, as well. Good morning to you, Brom. And I've got to say, Tass, one of the very, very first broadcasts I did on Saturday Magazine was with Bronwyn in the room. So, Bronwyn, I remember that very first day and you taught me a couple of great broadcasting lessons. So it's lovely to have you back. (laughs) Good to be here. In fact, uh, Bronwyn, one of our um, volunteers and uh, regular listeners, the lovely Chris Verneau, has emailed us a photo from 2003, you being interviewed in the old studios in South Melbourne. You haven't changed. Oh, really? You I have not changed the bit. <laughs> oh, you're very gracious. Um, the, uh, those studios were just amazing, weren't they? They were pretty just extraordinary. Also, one of the first people I met in those studios was Tim, who I think sadly passed away um, this year. Wasn't Tim it? Lennox, yeah, um, our, our, yes. news, uh, our news director. Yes, yes. Yeah, in yeah. fact, the photo that I have here of you is uh, you're being interviewed by Adam Stobbs, who also passed away, oh, actually, really? very sadly. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, well, great joy memories. <laughs> we are very keen to uh, hear your reflections on the, st- on the election. Um, I'm particularly yeah. interested in some of the comments that um, I heard you make on the ABC on Virginia Trioli the other morning. In particular, mm. a particular surge towards the left. Now, you would never have thought that by listening to the media. Media, but we've just spoken to Dennis Muller and my feeling is that you perhaps you can't always believe what you hear in the media and what you read in the media. In fact, um, it looks like the a number of the media outlets were particularly gung-ho on presenting a particular perspective and a particular point of view. So what's your view? What in fact did occur, Bronwyn? Well, I do think it's interesting that you talk about the media that... Um, put forward a particular point of view and that was, you know, that Daniel Andrews was on the nose and, you know, people were going to have a protest vote against him. And I think the Liberals kind of bought into that narrative as well. But um, it's really an example of how a few loud voices can, uh, you know, capture an agenda when the rest of the community is not actually really feeling that way. And I think the best evidence for that, in a sense, is the vaccination rate. Um, 
you know, whilst uh, the the Libs and uh, the Murdoch media in particular were promulgating this view that there was this, you know, outrage out there in the community and that there were swarms of people that were going to beat up on Daniel because um, of the way he handled the pandemic, the, the fact was that 90-odd percent of us actually went and got vaccinated. Yes. So, you know, all of the conspiracy theories, all of that kind of negativity wasn't really borne out in the way people were behaving. I think the other thing, too, is that whilst, you know, it was incredibly frustrating for people in lockdown, it was tough for families, it was really tough for small business. Once the protest kind of started, um, I think people saw an element in there that wasn't just about uh, the COVID uh, measures, but they sort of, you know, it started to get on about other stuff, you know, um, the conspiracy theories mm. and um, some of the more right-wing ideologies got all caught up in that. And then you throw in the um, January protests at the Capitol building post the Trump uh, loss. And I think a lot of people thought, oh, gee, look, I don't reckon that's us. You know, I, I don't think... We want to go that way. So I think all of these things were really clues that the Libs and, you know, I mean, the the Murdoch press wanted to believe their own rhetoric. Yeah, no, and we, the Libs did too, you know, and they just listened to a very small group of people. I think in the meantime, your, your other point, though... Talk to um, us about the, the swing to the, the left. The talk to us, to the left. Yeah, talk to us a bit yeah. about that. Well, I think if you look right around the electorate, I mean, the first hint, of course, is that, you know, you've got the Teals swinging the safe liberal areas more to the left on issues like climate change, on women's rights, etc. Um, and then, you know, there's a view that is being promulgated that um, in the outer metropolitan seats that, um, you know, people gave Labor a kicking. But it wasn't the right-wing groups that picked up those votes. It wasn't the Liberals and it certainly wasn't, um, you know, the Palmer-type people or, uh, you know, the old Hansonites, etc. In fact, in some seats, the Socialist um, Party, Victorian Socialists, polled nearly 10%. And in the case of Thomastown, they outpolled the Greens. And if you add the Greens and the Socialists, well, you know, I mean, there's a bit of a view... That from some that the Greens, in a sense, have become entrenched in the middle class in the inner city. The uh, you know the uh, those areas that have been gentrified, but out there in those so those votes were exceptionally high. That message um, did not come across at all, Bronwyn, because if you look at the media coverage, it suggests that what occurred in the northern and western suburbs seats was a swing to the Liberal Party. I, I'm just going to yeah, sorry. Well, I just want to jump in slightly and say, is it not easier just to simplify this? And I'm being very simplificated now. Please do, Paul. Is to say, is it not just about people want a cleaner, safer environment and they want a community that's inclusive? And on those two issues alone, people were saying, actually, we're going to vote in a certain way to try and deliver a community that we want to be part of. Oh, Paul, I think you're spot on. I think people don't like the politics of division. But also when we when we talk about what's really mattering for people, it is um, decent wages, decent jobs, 
so people can manage cost of living ups and downs. And, you know, some some of them, you know, there's a view that sort of the socialist might be, for some people, you know, it sort of conjures up images of, you know, communism and socialism. But the truth is um, their agenda, which appeals to a lot of people in those areas, is quality jobs, quality wages, a fair society, um, you know, end of social division, stop giving the high end of town all the breaks and share the wealth of the country. These are the messages. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, people gravitated towards those messages. Now, was there an issue uh, for the Labor Party? I think yes, because the government has a really tough job keeping up with the uh, provision of the appropriate level of infrastructure, schools, hospitals, roads, etc. However, Bronwyn, the truth is that what we've experienced is Dan slide number two. Uh, We're going to end up with almost exactly the same numbers that we had last time round. Last election. We are, and, and, and I think Daniel Andrews and the Labor Party themselves have acknowledged that there's a lot of work to do um, in communities that are sprawling and growing where there's pressure mm, I think so. on infrastructure. And I, think, and, and, and I think the message, though, was not anything that the Libs can take joy out of um, in those areas. They are lessons for Labor, but they reinforce in many ways the direction that Daniel was was moving in, and I did say on the ABC, and I'll say it again, is I, I really do agree with the analysis in the Age today about um, the SEC. Yes, um, yes, uh, and and uh, you know my view is that has you know, and I I was one of a number of people in the 90s who expressed deep concern about the privatisation of the SEC. I think people swallowed the pill because they thought they had to. Um, and Kenneth, of course, mounted this this very strong argument that, you know, we had to pay down debt, but then went on and said, yeah, and you're going to get cheaper pricing on power because you're introducing competition into the marketplace. And then people in to, you know 2022 are going, hang on. Well, I never really wanted to do that, but I thought I had to, and I thought Brom- I Bromwyn, we're running out of we're power running out of time. Just, just, sorry to interrupt you. We're running out of time before we go. I've got to ask you a quick question. Your fellow oh. co-presenter um, on some other radio shows I won't mention, John Pizzuto, what do you think is going to happen with the leadership of the Libs? What's your prediction? Look, I think it's very tight, and um, I think that uh, these are these sort of competing views about do we kind of try and retake the heartland in in the Hawthorne type people and have a moderate like John, or do we, you know, reinforce our position in you know those traditional liberal outer sort of southeast areas so you know john's been talked up a lot too and and you know i you know i i i enjoyed very much working with john and i've got a a lot of regard for him john's been a regular in this very studio and we've enjoyed many conversations with him and he's and he's a terrific guy and you know etc but i think sometimes in politics and this is from an insider's view the more the media talk you up the more your colleagues get annoyed with you and it's not his fault 
but you know it's almost like don't don't tell us it's a done deal that you're going to be the leader we choose the leader yes and yes, uh, yes. so I, I think wise words Bronwyn that it'll be a, I think it'll be quite a, a tough contest and I'm not calling it yet <laughs> Bronwyn thank you very much for your time and thank you for your reflections um, what's clear oh, to me you. on this one is that whoever is the Liberal leader on this occasion will probably never be the Victorian Premier. That's well, a big call to make, isn't it? Reason. I think that's a, well, I think it's another re- reason why sometimes people don't put their hand up at there the stage. There they wait for someone to crash and burn and then they come in like the conquering hero. So, Bronwyn, thank you very much so for your time. Enjoy the rest of your day. Whatever you may be doing, wherever you may be, um, enjoy some sunshine. We need to move on. Thank you. Thank you, Bronwyn. It's been great talking to you again. Thank you. We need Good to move to on. It's about 11.16. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back with our next guests who we're completely changing course, of course. We're going to talk about the Victorian Pride Centre. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.